0: hello and welcome to episode 29 of the deeper current podcast i am your host hannah ruth dyson founder of Soulcy gathering and women change world once again such a pleasure to be here I'm again doing a take two really hoping this podcast records and saves all the way through <laughs> Feels like uh, an extra battle and fighting with technology just to be able to uh, for, show up in fully channel and transmit without having to worry about all the other um, components failing. But uh, yeah, I I have been uh, feeling a lot of energy moving through my body, like a lot of uh, pieces of research and, and knowledge and awareness is all feels like it's all coming into into one and and into a, a really beautiful place last night I couldn't sleep I had so much moving through me and then by the time I did sleep I had this very lucid awake dream and I I felt like I was in uh really a, a, a spiritual journey and um like apprenticeship through my dream I felt like I was getting all of this clear directives, all these messages, and I, I'm paying attention. I'm really present. It's really powerful. And I'm humbled by like the dreams I've been having recently. Just, wow, so much, so much being shared with me. Um, and yeah, wow. I've also just been for several weeks with this on and off earache, and it's made me very like inward like kind of introspective and uh just trying to heal it in all these different ways and everything like working um in the moment and then it like returning in another way and i yeah i'm just trying to navigate um this experience has just made me sleep less and it's it's just like um Yeah, interesting, right? I just, I definitely live with the understanding that everything is kind of communication. So it's like I've learned, I think these earaches are connected very much to my jaw. And I have, you know, since age 16 had issues with my jaw, like TMJ, um, clicking and, and pain and discomfort and i i mean from age 16 i had a dentist tell me oh yeah this is just something women get and you just have this for life now <laughs> and there is no remedy so i had to then i just accept that you know he's the authority he's my my dentist um and so i never like questioned that for a long time and i just learned to live with this discomfort um which of course then becomes deeply embedded and ingrained and it's not in like since the last few years that I've really realized of course this can be healed of course this isn't normal this isn't something you just have this is something to you know um, understand it's very much I think connected to my posture obviously to the to way I'm sleeping and um, also my teeth like you know maybe getting like support with my teeth will help um, support my jaw there's all these reasons and things to explore and yeah I've been trying to do a lot of deep healing it feels like right now everything is coming it's like uh, sounding an alarm it's like you can't ignore this any longer you have to deal with this you have to face it so I'm trying to really do that and also like look at where I'm also, you know, maybe blocked with my voice still, where I'm still like, you know, uh, holding on to something here, like resisting something. It's like very interesting to explore these different layers of health and what it means. And uh, again, it's like, um, yeah, very interesting. And and just knowing I'm on this (laughs) pregnancy journey and knowing like how fascinating it is when you get to birth, like how you work with what can feel like very intense pain to um, transmitting that into different like forms of sensation and even can, can become like pleasure. And you realize how psychological pain is. And so even with this pain in my ear and in my jaw, I've been like just in the last few weeks being like, okay, how do I, learn how to breathe through this work with this and just like being that practice ground of um yeah like feeling the layers of discomfort and what it means in my body so that's kind of the space i've been in um and yeah wow i'm just so in love with my work right now i mean i always am but like the research i'm doing for salty gathering is so powerful i've been um, equally going into um historical like uh, accounts of Native Americans and then also in the history of Christianity again and looking at um what has taken place over time and and then it's also all merging into present day and it feels so relevant to the things taking place right now and the deeper healing and the deeper change we need to do. Um, so yeah, it's been. I mean, one, it's just been fascinating once again to look at Christianity and see how the moment it became mainstream and it became politicized by Emperor Constantine, like what, uh, like, you know, there's records of him and his council of men deciding what would go in to um, the central teachings of Christianity. And so, of course, a lot got discarded and uh, taken out and changed within the teachings and this is again fascinating to realize like you know it's clear that there were this balance of feminine and masculine in the older teachings it's clear that there was this uh, inner authority to pay attention to this deeper healing and um guidance from within and learning to trust that it's within these older these other gospels and some of them you know far older than the ones that became popularized um again just like fascinating it was very patriarchal in that time and so the eve like women were were just purely property and were purely to be you know sold from father to to husband and to even conceive that they might have an equal part, that Mary might have been a, you know, a partner to Jesus and that uh, she was treated like an equal is like it was too hard to accept at the time and to in- include in the. And it also just didn't fit the agenda, the political agenda of creating hierarchy, of creating social order, of creating control and. Um, the idea to mobilize people into armies and to enact war—it needed the centralized power, and it needed um, the power to be taken from outside of the individual to uh, again that father figure, the the head of the of the state, and the head and the father in the sky. And you know, I think it's there's evidence. It's clear that like there was always this balance again between masculine and feminine it wasn't purely this father figure um just thinking about the effects of that right throughout (laughs) throughout modern history like how that has influenced everything in our society um and to this day i still see it and it's like this is the deeper change we need to address because without that we're you know we're still playing within the same uh you know, dictated, like, well, dictatorship hierarchy rather than, like, readdressing the whole understanding of systems of do we even need hierarchy, you know? Do we even need this concept? Do we have to watch ourselves? Because I'm catching it in all places, like, it's equally fascinating in, and, you know, in this deeper understanding of Christianity, it feels like far more encompassing of good and bad and everything in between as part of who we are. This just seems to be this integrated sense of all things. We see this mirrored in nature, right? There is an evil. There is some things that can seem violent and Uh, like destructive uh, in nature but it's never this greater evil or like it's never so simplistic there's just um, you know life and death and all these different cycles of change within nature and this seems like it was encompassed more within these older uh, roots of Christianity and then equally fascinating to learn more and more about native history and how this also, um, it also didn't have uh, necessarily this understanding of good versus evil. This is very much like a a modern, patriarchal, uh, you know, heroic journey, like I have to fight evil. Um, The deeper stories also found within Europe, the more feminine women, like old wise women ways again, we're far more encompassing of all things and just understanding we're all made of everything. So this is the wisdom, right, to heal that. Um, But unfortunately, you're just seeing still in some of the narratives we play out, like it's, again, this polarization. It's this simplistic good versus evil. And, you know, even in the so-called conscious new age spiritual spaces that are like i don't know going into some of the conspiracy theories or going into some of the stuff that's happening right now it can also be very um simplistic like these are the evil people in the world like doing this and this (laughs) the the rest is good and it's like i mean we're all human and you know there's always complexities uh, we're never going to know the full story. There's always far more layers to reality, and it's it's never just one thing. And um, the danger is if we're not um, facing our own shadows, our own you know darkness, our own stuff, then we're constantly just playing out this this story out in the world, and we're just in the complete denial of our own dysfunctions and our own stuff. And this also makes us dangerous. So it's like just collapsing this narrative and like just remembering once again that we we are made of everything and we can heal that within us and we you know our work to change the world is really to to change within and to change maybe how our relationships are how our community is like working how we show up in our work all these things uh ripple out like ripple out and are felt and it's very easy to skip over and ignore and um, again just play into this like narrative which has been fed to us by you know film and um many big like heroic stories as well everyone wants to be the hero right the hero's journey it's like still missing the point that that's an internal journey right that's an internal path and we are all the heroes we are all the heroines we are all um taking that path but we have to break free from the social constructs, the um, a concept of civilization and our capitalist system, which is all based on hierarchy and it only survives and functions through hierarchy. Um, and so, yeah, fascinating through, I've been reading this um, book called The Daughters of Mother, Mother Earth, and it's just so beautiful, um, brought together by Barbara Alice Mann, uh, she brings together all these different Native American writers, researchers, historians. She is herself from the Iroquois tradition, otherwise known as the Mohawks, and yeah, fascinating. You know, they have this this deeper understanding of equality, like, and actually inspired a lot of the early feminist movements. That, that you know, women that came to North America were inspired by the Iroquois way of life. In fact, like one of the women. I'll reference her below um, because I can't remember her name right now, but she's like became a prominent feminist figure, but she was actually adopted by the Iroquois. So she learned their way of life and the Iroquois are uh, matrilineal, you know, there's the old women's council, like the elders, um, they decide who the leader is. They also can um, dethrone the leader at any time or dehorn is how they they call it. They take off the horns from the, um the headdress and so the women have a lot of power they own the house they own the means of production they um pass on their their name and it's just a very strong female centered society and yeah once again so fascinating right to learn how this influenced feminism but is left out of the narrative (laughs) We talk about, uh, you know, these different waves of feminism. And I did a recent post on Instagram about this. Um, and again, it's all white, European, women-centered. It's not until you get to, like, you know, the third or fourth wave, that becomes intersectional and we start thinking about um, women of other races. But it's still, like, w- 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 modern, you know, quote-unquote, Western uh, women have, like, been driving this, this, force for equality and change and she just mentions barbara alice in this book like how tragic it is that we you know (laughs) he's still trying to fit within like feminism is still trying to fight for this um rise within a system that men have designed so we are never gonna you know really change things unless we just like redesign the way everything is operating we look at the actual systems we don't need to just fight for something that we're never going to get to within um, the male design system. It's like we can actually readdress the whole thing. So powerful to recognize and, and so powerful to learn, you know, Native American history through Native American women. Uh, because even, the you know, the stories and histories that we've been taught have been through the Eurocentric lens on the most part, and even this has influenced people of native american descent about who they truly are and this is like plays out you know with the common films of like indian versus cowboys and this kind of um depiction of native american people like this kind of proud warrior type indian um man and this um you know, it falls so short from reality. And in fact, uh, apparently 70% of Native American tribes don't even have the vocabulary around war or conflict <laughs> or even argument. It's kind of like um, one of the author, one of the researchers within the book um, was describing how this just fundamentally goes against Native American way of thinking to think in opposition, you wouldn't have like these debates around left versus right. And this is my identity or my thoughts like versus someone else. You would simply meet into council and you would vote or you make a decision. But there isn't this big opposition or this big, long um, argumentative discourse. In fact, humor is used a lot to resolve any issues that arise and uh, just beautiful again to learn uh, through the voices um, of the people themselves. And this is a huge driver behind Solstice Gathering. Like, we are not outsiders researching any, any Indigenous people. We're, uh, you know, everyone is invited to tell their own stories from their own perspective. We're not going to then translate it into our own sort of frameworks and, um, you know, checkpoints of what we need to understand about our people. It's just fascinating, like, they were um, describing the Daughters of Mother Earth, how even damaging it is that, um, you know, the left-wing activist kind of space also wants to paint this constant story of the poor, angry Indians who are, you know, have experienced genocide, have experienced all this hardship. And um, they were describing this battle in this this museum that got created for the history of Native American um life and, and how the, the museum wanted to focus solely on the genocide and the European attack on Native American people and they were just trying to explain like this is this is still just really a tiny blip in our history it's like nearly like in the greater arc of our, our history um, since our creation story since you know all of this incredible knowledge of our people you know knowledge of astronomy far before like the vikings and europeans and like you know this deep knowledge and intelligences that you know deserve to be honored and celebrated this uh genocide that didn't you know even work fully like people survived like um and the culture still survived even though there was this huge attack on cultural knowledge um there are still these deep threads and connection and and for a Native American history museum that the people themselves should decide how information gets shared and how it is presented and there was this whole, I think it came out in the New York Times and NPR, there was these examples given of how they were told off for not wanting to have uh, like, cut like, you know, uh, cards next to every artifact that explained things or had titles for things and they're like, this is just not the way we would um, showcase our own knowledge and history. This isn't, I mean, for one, you know, they wouldn't even dig up their sacred burial sites. This has been a huge, ugly side of archaeology and, um, you know, the, the quote unquote academic field that is like, you know, in the name of research, we need to dig this stuff up. And it's like, no, this is. Sacred, And, you know, these objects then are put in museums and they're not honored as sacred or they're kept in cardboard boxes and they're put in, like, filing cabinets. And this is just, again, not the way um, the people would treat their objects. This is, again, a very, like, um, scientism, Eurocentric basis of, like, rationale. Like, we don't believe in the spiritual authority of these people or the meaning of these objects, so we get to treat them like objects and um just also the dumbing down of needing to to explain things and this is again our need for everything to be explained and i love some of the traditional teachers i've met who will not tell you the names of things of like plants or of objects or um are not even going to tell you the the stories necessarily um unless you really are ready to receive that and you need to have a deeper connection to you know an object or a plant or a people before you get introduced to the the storytelling but this is very hard for our brains that have been schooled in a certain way we expect things to be explained and to be spelled out for us but this is just a different way of learning and being curious and you know for me it's been a deep apprenticeship being here in the jungle in costa rica of just uh, learning what my relationship are with the plants and the trees, without again knowing their names, and just um, seeing how I feel about them. What do? What is my interest? Like, what is it um, really about? Somehow, when we name things and we kind of objectify things, it like also makes it easy to extract and to destroy and to demean. So this is, has deep-reaching, you know, consciousness. There's a there's a reason for the spirituality, and a reason for yeah this relationship, this way of having a relationship that um, means that we we see things as us nearly as a as a, a dialogue, a conversation back and forth and it's not something that we could just destroy or extract again um, but so fascinating and again, like uh, they were explaining, for example, with this concept in the museum of just talking about the genocides and the attack from Europeans. it's like they're not even in their way of um, the traditional way of thinking or communicating—it's not about again good versus evil. We're the poor victims, and the and you know those evil Europeans. This is just again this Eurocentric storyline, and you know how this plays out. Again, to this day, and i it's so fascinating to think about these different forms of reclaiming and activism where it doesn't have to be the opposition and the fight, right? There's a way of dissolving completely. And I've been trying to talk about this a lot um, recently because uh, quite a lot of people in our community are really in, like, deep into the kind of, you know, quote unquote conspiracy field where I know there's a lot of truth. I don't necessarily agree with conspiracy. The word, like when we use conspiracy, it immediately kind of makes things seem ridiculous or far fetched or not true and easy way to shut down, you know, real questions and arguments and different viewpoints. But there is this kind of extreme end of it where it, it sees us like, um, You know, Illuminati or cabal or New World Order forming this evil. And again, I'm not in denial that this um, is likely taking place. You know, there's, I'm sure, you know, people pulling the strings. There are, um, you know, a lot of strange things going on and power dynamics. And um, those that we see in power are very, I think, rarely the people who are truly in power and are dictating things um, across the world. But my whole, I think, point and my teaching point and through this also indigenous ancestral knowledge is recognizing this isn't even our storyline. Like, I'm not even interested. (laughs) And I really think we need to feel sorry for anyone who thinks they're in power, who thinks they get to control and dictate. I think it's backfiring constantly, you know. Uh, for example, say if this quarantine has been, you know, an, a, an agenda to shut down the economy and create fear and control. I think it's actually backfiring in the sense that people are waking up more than ever. People are going deeper, more than ever before. You know, uprisings are taking place. Even if Black Lives Matter, which I've heard, you know, a lot recently, has been, you know, a you know, is is being a setup. It's like uh, it's being used it's being like um you know it's divide and conquer just like hearing a lot of those narratives also it's like yeah and there's also the very very real injustices that have been around um you know since this civilization and civilizations before it have been created and we need to you, you know this is also a huge uprising and i think The power is not with the ones who are quote-unquote in power. It's us, the people, rising up. And it's happening. It's already happening. And I don't see it stopping, you know. This feels like the beginning. And it's going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be destruction. There's, of course, going to be dysfunction and ways, um, you know, things become politicized and used and agendas. But I still think the overall power that's rising up and being remembered is vast, and it's like we we know no like no longer can we rely on our governments to really make those changes um, for the environment, you know, for women, children, for um, you know black people, indigenous people. It's just not happened for all this time, and it's like so bored of these same um, skirting around the issues and just playing these dances and just trying to look like they're people are interested in change and then nothing really changing and i think this is just the revolution the evolution the things that are happening right now is part of this divine i think divine overarching um rise of change and um again there's going to be upheaval but we are we get to redesign and reimagine actually what we want to live and what we want to um yeah, what we want this world to look like, and you know, just the level that we have reached of, um, you know, by official figures there are twenty six million children being trafficked for like for for like prostitution for sex. Like, how is that possible? And this these are the numbers that are documented, and so it's even said in the official statements that this is like you know probably a scratch at the surface of the real numbers like how are we allowing this to go on on our watch you know and how are we allowing this level of environmental degradation like this level of deforestation this level of pollution in the oceans like how are we allowing all this stuff to happen the amount of rape used as warfare used in between families used like you know the amount of domestic abuse like all of this stuff again it's like it's just like no more the amount of black and brown people in prisons this is not a system that is just or fair you know it's very easy to see the legal system works one way for a certain class of people and very differently for others these are all like such deep-rooted problems these are not just being like made up right now to divide and conquer the divide has been there for a long long time and i think the people are waking up and rising up because it's like we can't allow for this to happen anymore we are fed up no real change is happening now it's time for the people to rise up um, but yeah once again it's like it's about us doing this inner work unless we are all doing our part like we are adding to the problem and if we want to just play out this narrative of like good versus evil and and be in denial of our stuff i think we're being a greater detriment and um danger to the cause um then just being really humble and honest and you know it's just a, it's a very humbling process doing this deeper work within and just facing our own stuff and realizing wow yeah like this is just, you know, a lifetime's work within. And it just destroys immediately superiority complexes and idea of hierarchy. You realize the children are, you know, more wise than us. The elders have knowledge to share with us. Like, we've just become so obsessed also with a certain age category in society of youth, of um, beauty and all those things and it's it's just time to unravel it all and i feel uh, once again so excited everything feels so relevant so needed i feel i've been in this long incubation with soul gathering and with this research and now it feels like okay now is the time and i i just yeah, I'm so honored I get to do this work. And uh, once again, inviting you into the Soul Seed House because I'm just really excited about what we're building and where we're heading. Um, some amazing interviews coming out and we'll be releasing them also um, to the public later on in the year with the There Is More To Our Story podcast for Soul Seed Gathering. Um, but we also have like all this bonus content within the house and just, yeah, this really cool thing. Um, we're building and, and uh, then allows us also to just offer more and more education and uh, knowledge for free also and just um, help educate different sectors and movements and give them the deeper roots and the act to, like anchors for change you know uh, there's so much beautiful energy you know arising up and so any way that we can support with our work feels really really exciting at this time it feels like a huge reckoning is taking place you know the amount of people again waking up to the you know unchecked racism it's like wow wild wild to witness like wow like the avoidance and ignorance for so long and it's like finally being faced up to and recognized um and again this is just the beginning so it's like the unraveling has just begun and um a friend sent me an article about the aid sector and the nonprofit sector. You know, finally questioning themselves because there's so much racism and so much imperialist colonial mindsets within that. It nearly feels like the that whole sector also needs to to have a huge awakening and deep, deep rooted change. So it's all happening. It's exciting. But I, yeah, I felt so empowered, and I hope uh, it helps you wherever you're at. Just this knowledge of. Um, dissolving good versus evil and just coming back into this harmony with nature and realizing ultimate power, knowledge and wisdom is all found within nature and within us, you know, trusting ourselves, acknowledging ourselves as the leaders of our own life of the guides of the spiritual authority of you know the teacher everything the healer we all have that within and so um i know for myself the more i come into community with that the more i'm able to be in safe spaces to be connected with other beautiful um heart-led people the more i feel you know energize and nourish to continue doing this work within and also this bigger um project work out in the world so yeah so exciting um yeah I feel I feel like this has been a strong transmission this is just everything that's moving through me um right in this moment and yeah I feel I'm going to leave it here today and sending you, you know, as always so much love to wherever you are in the world, hoping you are feeling nourished and supported wherever you are. I have a beautiful conversation lined up with a friend, a sister next week. So I'll um, probably be back for a solo episode the week after. And once again, love hearing from you, love hearing your journeys, where you're at, what you're receiving from the podcast. So, Never hesitate to reach out. Um, It really does keep just energetically supporting this um, podcast, and of course, like sharing it with anyone else you feel would resonate, or um, you know, rating us, uh, subscribing, giving us a review. I know that helps the the podcast start to build. I haven't felt again any sort of pressure to make this anything, and it feels like it's all just it's being connected through word of mouth already so thank you for doing that because um once again i'm just honored to be in your ears and to be part of your lives and um so touched by those of you who share you've been listening every week so thank you thank you thank you sending you so much love and until next week i hope you have um a beautiful beautiful journey in your life's walk